0: This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan, the Rockefeller Center, Newsstand Studios, joined as usual with uh, John here in the booth behind me. How you doing, John?
1: Doing great, thanks. Yeah? Nice. Yes.
0: Yeah. Got uh, Joe rocking the panels. Joe Hazen, what's up? Hey, how are you guys? Happy holidays. And happy holidays to you as well. Uh, live in Vancouver Island, not Vancouver, we got Quinn. How you doing, Quinn? Hey, I'm doing Good. 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 And uh, together again in Los Angeles, we have Jackie Molecules and Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. What's up, guys? Hi. Hey. Hello. Hey, and uh, we're going to go back to our yeah. normal format. Like last week, we had Jacques Pepin on, and we were going to do our, like, introduce our guest at the beginning and shoot the breeze like we've been doing. And his assistant was like, he'll hate that. But this week, he, he's, she's, like, she's like, he doesn't want to hear more than one person talk at once. We're like okay, but this week's not like that. So uh, our special guest today is Tanya Hopkins. How you mm-hmm. doing? Food, the food grill. Uh, you know, it's a food grill. We're going to talk a lot more about what you know what she does in general. But welcome to the show. First time on.
2: Thank you for having me here. Yeah. All
0: right. So now this is the part of the show where we just shoot the breeze about what happened last week or, or whatever
2: in the world, in, in life, and- in life, in food. Mm-hmm. So
0: who's uh, who's got who's got some who's got something good? Who's got John? You got something food wise?
1: why no. No, no.
0: I heard that so this is John, gonna be John's first year <laughs> as uh like the the, uh, the chef running a restaurant. Oh, all right.
2: Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Congratulations are yeah. yes. order.
0: Temperance Thank Temperance you. wine bar. And mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. everyone should go. Uh even though I have not gone since he took it over because true. well <laughs> well known, <laughs> I'm a bad person. <laughs> Nastasia's gone. Multiple times. <laughs> Multiple times. And you enjoyed it, right, Stas? Yeah, I thought it was great. I wish you would go, Dave. I was going to try to... Oh, whatever, man. Jesus. Anyway, uh, so my point being, though, is he fell into the trap of not closing the place on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve, but also not Uh selling it out.
2: Uh Uh Uh-oh. So Uh now
0: he's just going to be there... Oh,
2: it's a loop of...
0: ...in major... Yeah,
2: Yeah. It's
1: not my decision to make, unfortunately. It's the owner's, so yeah have to abide
2: yeah live and learn
0: well i hope yeah. that on new year's eve at least john that you do not come by your name honestly in the back of house and after you make like however many canaps you got to make for the revelers that you just start pounding champagne base. you know yes, what i'm saying because yes, like <laughs> yeah
2: right at least there's that yeah, yeah, access to yes. cases of champagne
0: yes. yeah, yeah, Especially yeah, yeah. Wine. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly good. yes yeah. i would
2: hope so
0: <laughs> What, what about uh, what about over there in L.A. Any uh, any interesting food products, food things, non food? Anything going on in Los Angeles that I should be aware of? Uh,
3: we, had a, we had we had an absolutely terrible meal at some bar. Had the worst burger maybe you have ever had.
0: Ooh, talk to me yeah, about how bad about your burger all was. All that happened with us. Uh, okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. <laughs> He's Describe the burger. Yeah. Describe it, please.
3: Okay. okay, I ordered medium rare. Right? Okay, okay. How, how thick was, is the burger? How thick right, is the burger?
0: Was, Mm, that like makes the difference, maybe
3: an inch. So like thick, an inch, maybe
0: thick burger. Okay, okay. No, no. Well,
3: no, because if it's maybe too less thin. than an inch, then
2: you're not going to get medium so, rare. It, it was thin. gray. You know. Okay, okay.
3: It was gray. Right. It tasted like defrosted freezer ice. It was like
0: oh, it tasted like water. Nice.
3: Yeah. It was nice. Really, really bad. And I have a pretty like. Low bar for a bar burger. And I'm not expecting the world out of it. No. It takes a lot for me to be like, this bar burger is terrible.
0: Mm. Now, uh, did you, what, yeah. what, t- did it have uh, cheese on it?
3: It did. It was uh, cheddar, lettuce, tomato, onion.
0: Yeah. And still no flavor, huh? It was just
3: a very sad looking burger. I think stuff took a picture of it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'll put it, I'll put it in the Discord. Yeah. Put it in the Discord. <laughs> put, that sh- put
0: that put that stuff out there. I want to see. Jack's sad, sad, sad burger. There is something incredibly sad. I remember when uh, I used to occasionally be a, a judge on at the finals at the French Culinary Institute back when that existed. Mm. Yeah. And it was always, like, interesting when students somehow simultaneously over and undercooked it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. It's, well... Words, thing? well, well, yeah. You cook the hell out of the inside. You you hammer the hell out of the inside, but the outside still doesn't have a, like any sort of crust on it. And yet, it's not moist. It's not like you steamed it. It's dry on the outside. It's just there's no crust.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah. And the inside is uh the inside is. Uh, I have a new I have a new burger theory. Recently, you know how everyone's like all about crust now, all about smash, all about crust, all about thin, and they double up on patty. That's like what you is? know what, whatever. Every yeah. five mm-hmm. years, whatever it changes, new whatever. Try. It doesn't matter.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I do believe though that you need to use a more flavorful meat if you're going to use a thick patty cuz you do get a lot of that inside burger. I like I like a nice flavorful meat. You mm. know who makes a good meat? Who? Uh our our uh, our friends uh, Edwards Age meat. They do make their hamburger meat. Now that I had their hamburger meat, I don't know that I co-signed his name for it. Beef crack. It's a little bit mm. it's a little bit
2: <laughs> a little bit not appetizing well, <laughs> in my opinion. I don't, I'm
0: not I'm not like a you know, like as someone who was a kid in the '80s, like I never understood crack becoming something that you want, that was like a positive. Except for the addicts, right? But that's the whole point. In other words, like in other words, like I was never for crack as a positive attribute.
2: My brain was on the whole other definition of crack. I didn't even know that's what. Okay, oh, I, I always the, assumed the, that's, that's what, the, what it was. The I think
1: so. I think it's the addictive nature to it. No,
2: no, no. The body part known as oh, the butt crack. Y- yeah, beef crack. Uh, but like the oh, the, the, the that didn't even enter that. Didn't even that's, my mind.
0: that's where my brain thank went to. That's where my brain went. Thank you, thank oh, you. And then, like huh. even worse,
2: was there any sauce on the sad little burger? Because like uh, any special sauce?
0: Oh mm, no. Mm. Was there I mean, was there a sauce? Jack? I was, yeah, was, an unsalted <laughs> sauce. That's the thing. <laughs> like if a burger doesn't have salt on the outside, what is it? It's horrible. You know what? What about places that. Serve yeah. bar food, but don't put salt out.
2: Well, because usually it's already salty oh, yeah. enough. It's mm. already it's supposed I never trust to be. That's sal- the yeah, point but I don't of trust bar be- food. I don't trust to people. Dehydrate you so that you hydrate yourself at the bar. Are Isn't you saying you trust people, Tanya? Not really. You know this. Yeah. 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 I mean, I want to
0: trust people. Yeah. I,
2: that's my first move until, you know, yeah. they immediately give me reason not to. Yeah. By
0: so, tasting it. Yeah. So, Stas, you were also there?
2: Yeah, I was there. But what did you? What did you Baked, yeah, baked quesadilla.
0: Baked quesadilla. How was that?
3: It was not so good.
2: <laughs> it was a bad. It was a bad restaurant. What?
3: Oh yeah, and then we got then we got ten ten dollar pretzel bites oh. that were like these little soft pretzel squares that looked like they were microwaved and.
2: Because they were. It, it oh, was. Man. It was
3: just bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But the confusing part is, it was like a nice room and a nice. Part of LA you wouldn't think it would be this bad it was very confusing
0: wow
2: oh LA usually has really good food it's under yeah. to me it's underrated yeah so but the company was good
0: right you're like it's <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> we had a good yeah, time together that's right. <laughs> it's all yeah. that matters
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah all right I mean, look I have to say this like it like at this point in my life like I love like good food but like if the food is solid and the company is good and the atmosphere is okay and the and the servers aren't, like, actively making me angry, like, by being mean to me or, like, actively not bringing me, like, the one thing that's going to make the food taste good when it tastes like garbage now. Like, if that's not happening, I don't—it's it, all fine. But, like, I mean, it sounds as bad as what you had. It's kind of like that's a whole nother level. But was it bad enough to be funny? <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
3: it was, it was, right. it was. It was. Right. The presentation was really funny, too. It was just a sad burger on a plate with nothing else on it. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: That's kind of it's, a win, then. Fun. That's kind of a win. I've been to places... Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah. I've been to places that were so bad that it was hilarious until the bill came. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh!
3: Oh, yeah, that kind of happened to us, too. Yeah, <laughs> That's true.
0: Uh, all right. What about you, Quinn? You got any good food stuff going? What about your... Did you taste your fancy? I, so, Quinn... I don't know if you're gonna mention this, Quinn. Yeah. I don't know if I'm blowing your, your world <laughs> up here, but apparently I did not know this. Quinn, where is your the fancy olive oil that you have from?
3: So off of Vancouver Island, there's an even smaller island called Salt Spring Island. And apparently they have an olive grove there. And so you- there's a company that makes very expensive olive oil.
0: But, like, how many bottles <laughs> they make a year? Like, three?
2: What? <laughs> Only like Quinn a few hundred.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have one. Now, a few did you, hundred. Now, last time I spoke to you about it, you hadn't tasted it. I uh, I put a call in to Captain Oily, Nick Coleman. He's like, I've heard about it. I want to taste it.
2: I want some of this oil.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't talk like that, but yeah. But, yes.
2: But like, for the purposes of the story, you yeah, need yeah. him to talk like this. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. So, uh, so what does it taste like, Quinn? How is it?
3: I haven't
0: tried it yet. What the hell, man? <laughs> come <laughs> on, clean. what are you well, keeping it around the house? It's, it's it's a perishable item, my friend. I,
3: mean, I know, I know.
2: Drizzle, start drizzling on anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your toothbrush. I mean, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm I'm.
0: You know, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's it's not gold bricks. You don't keep it. Yeah, yeah, eat it. Right? By next
2: week, it'll be it next week.
0: All right, so next week we have No Tangent Tuesday, and Quinn will tell us about his uh, his uh, greasy his greasy greasy tastes. <laughs> and uh, John, you want to uh, talk about uh, joining the Patreon? Who's coming up?
1: Yeah, well, bef- I mean, in mentioning that. Uh, any Christmas related questions need to be got in by next Tuesday. And the way to make sure that Dave answers those on a no tangent Tuesday is to become a member at patreoncom slash cooking issues. You get a bunch of great benefits with that, like joining the discord interact with a lot of our members. You get discounts at kitchen arts and letters discounts from some of the people that we have on the show. Um, Yeah. Different membership levels. So give it a join and, uh, Get okay, your questions in.
0: Yep. And if you're listening live, call in to 917 410 1507. That's 917 410 1507. All right. So uh, I have a little food. I have a little food stuff this week. I am now. So, like, are you, like, Tanya, are you a mixer person? Do you like mixers? Like, mixers. Not, not, not like parties, Like like physical machines, mixers. Oh, 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 oh. Like stand I mean, mixers.
2: You know. I'm not that fancy. I'm a great cook, but I'm, like, old school. Yeah. But, you know, I can appreciate it for, if, if it's required. Why?
0: Well, I, I I got a new mixer, that's Okay,
2: why. okay. And you want to talk
0: about it? You, and you, and- I'll talk a little bit. A little bit. So, like, so I grew up KitchenAid, mm-hmm. right? So my mom had, like, from, like, I think maybe she was, like, giving it when... I, I don't remember her without it, mm-hmm. right? So it had to be, like, somewhere... It was before we moved to New Jersey, so it was before mm-hmm. 1973 or four, right? Mm-hmm. That weird... Yellow 70s yellow, oh,
2: like that mustardy, yeah, yellow. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: like light mustard, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, old tilt the tilt head one, you know what I mean? Not like the one where you crank the bowl <laughs> up and down, the one that's like smaller that everyone used to have in the bowl, like clicks and clicks snaps, in. In. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They
2: made it, the, it was well, those were well made, yeah. Huh? I mean,
0: she, she used that thing up until like 2010 or something yeah. like this, and, the, and it still worked fine, it's just you know, whatever they made money, so that she got a new one eventually. I don't know, people isn't people it people called did. TV Yellow? It's called TV Yellow? I believe it's called TV Yellow. Because? Because yellow was one of the only colors that actually popped on black and white television. Huh. Oh. I know that uh, the Lone Ranger shirt was light blue, not white, because light blue looks whiter than white does on black and white tv <laughs> or maybe it's maybe it's like the way that the camera's registered i don't know i don't know anyways I don't know. back TV, to your man. tv yellow uh kitchen aid yeah for all of you that care really really bad color gamut on old school tvs i remember how crappy tv was I made mean, like not only the quality of the picture but like what was on <laughs> you know what i mean uh, <clears throat> but hey, i watched the hell out of it but there's I a it lot
2: of t- channels today making money playing all that old nostalgic yeah. stuff. so how crappy was it dave
0: I mean, I mean, you know, it's when
2: well, TV was TV, man.
0: Did I need to see every Gilligan's Island 25 times?
2: The need is the is a debate. Yeah, I but we did. I, you know, yeah, like yeah.
0: the shows that were like wh- what what uh, what what TV market did you watch when you were a kid? Philadelphia. Oh,
2: major metro South South Jersey.
0: Okay, say it like that. But you South didn't get terms. you didn't get eleven. Did you get channel nine? WR. I remember that make eventually
2: getting those when they like they were like the later ones. So, yeah, yeah. Because there was like UHF and VHF. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, I kind of yeah.
0: Yeah, I was always like the, my memory in the New York market. So kids watched Channel Five, which mm-hmm. became Fox later, and mm-hmm. Channel Eleven, which was WPIX. Mm-hmm. And so it was all the shows that were on those two things. So mm-hmm. like Scooby Doo, what's happening? Mm-hmm you know Gilligan's Island Gilligan's Island Flintstones
2: yeah. maybe yeah you know. that came on at like five though okay what what time are you talking about right now
0: I mean like I would as soon as I got home from school oh, like three. I would turn on my only friend the television set yeah and have that
2: thing going Xers the, the life of the, yeah. of the of the X the Gen yeah. X growing yeah.
0: up yeah. yeah and you know I was an only <laughs> child until I was like uh, 16 so like, oh my god yeah. me too oh really nice yeah what TV my best and only friend same yeah same
2: yeah. here we are
0: yeah <laughs> That a lot of good that did us anyway. Uh, so anyway, so I grew up KitchenAid, right?
2: Right. right. I'm like back yeah, to KitchenAid. Yeah, yeah.
0: This is how this is how we work here. So I grew up KitchenAid, and uh, the new ones like they're really powerful and they're really big, but they really really piss me off. Like they throw flour everywhere like uh mm. last year so Booker my my older son Booker he like started liking to make cakes. He would mm. make all of nice. these freaking cakes out of the milk bar cookbook like uh oh, yeah, right. all these tozy cakes, mm-hmm. he would make these things. But then whenever he make icing cuz he does not care. He's autistic. He does not care. So he'll just put all the powdered sugar into the kitchen aid and go boom. And That's then probably like
2: probably fun for him. I I would think it sounds fun. I mean
1: How much fun was it cleaning it
2: up?
0: (laughs) First of all, my kitchen is like just like just equipment everywhere, stuff everywhere and like all kinds of nooks and crannies and stuff and like open storage, right? Mm -hmm, mm Because my, which my wife hates. She's an architect. I'm like, I'm not going to open a door to get a bowl. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) A bowl I'm using all the time. And also all my bowls, same size, right? So I'm like, I'm like, I have a stack of bowls, all the same size. And then another stack of bowls all the A different sizes yes cuz I'm not about lifting one bowl to get the other bowl no no that's I not
2: you. I hear you man yeah
0: so anyways so he puts the powdered sugar in and goes Boom. And like, sh-coosh. it like it like, like a uh, volcano, like a powdered sugar volcano or, or like a like a World War One, like war movie, Geiser. like a mine, like, boom, yeah. just like powdered sugar everywhere. And I was like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I, I like legitimately hate this. And also the new KitchenAids. And for those of you that, like, have KitchenAids at home, KitchenAids Aids a fine piece of equipment. Uh, the new KitchenAids, right? The none of the beaters touch the bottom of the bowl. Yeah.
2: Did they used to? Yes, in
0: mm-hmm. the seventies mm-hmm. they worked the small one, but the bigger uh, ones. Right.
2: I can remember that clicking and, that noise, Right, right, right sound. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: now, right, they're like, but there's an adjustment. There's, there's an adjustment screw that you can make, but you can't make the bowl go up far enough. So everyone has these fancy Kitchen Aids, and what do we all do, John? What right the like, bottom? We yeah, we grab the freaking bowl with our hand and we like jam it up. Oh, yeah, into the beater to get good contact. Why? And then. God forbid you make like a, a, a stiff dough, like a pasta dough, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't walk away from that thing because KitchenAid's, you know, much like you know, much like your son's about to be uh, Joe, like to walk, and then they're like <laughs> bah, 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 bah. right off the counter. A KitchenAid will walk right off the counter. Uh... Anyway. What's the moral of the story, Dave? I moved to Bosch, which is German, for a couple of years.
2: Oh, okay. Different brand.
0: Different brand. So there's three, but everyone here only uses KitchenAid, right? But in Europe, there's two others, right? And some uh, in the U.S., mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Bosch, mm-hmm. which I liked for a couple of years, started to take me off for different reasons I won't get into. I've just moved. I've gone Swedish.
2: Oh. Oh.
0: Ankarschum. And? and so far, uh, I, really, I really like, like oh. it. Oh.
2: Are the, have the clouds open? I, Are the harps playing? Are the angels singing? I only just got it, but okay. I really like it.
0: Okay. I really like it. So far, no mess, open bowl. You can stick your hand in it without getting your hand mangled because of the way it oh, operates. Oh, that's. It a rotates plus. the bowl. Oh? It rotates the but bowl. But do we have
2: contact? Is there contact?
0: There is three, two, one contact if you okay. watch that show growing up.
2: <laughs> I'm talking about the. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's,
0: it's good. Uh, I know more to report on later, but yeah, yeah.
2: But I was going to say the moral of the story new isn't always better, is it?
0: Right. Well, the well, Gladest, greatest, th- this Swedish one, they've been making it the same exact design since 1940. Pl- that, since 1940.
2: That, they just you just made my point because yeah. you kept the, the word you kept saying with the KitchenAid, the new, the new, yeah. the new one. Yeah. And it's like, but the moral of the story is new ain't always better.
0: Right. Well, yeah, that's But
2: true. I mean, that's just, you know, I know that's like anti-capitalist of me and anti-consumerist of me. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
0: Yeah. Well the only thing problem with this old ones is that the is that everyone everyone wants to be semi pro at home, so they make larger batches of things. They
2: think they want to be semi pro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my that's my food story of the week. So it's not even food story, it's equipment story. It's
2: equipment. <laughs> equipment to make food. Yeah.
0: Also, I got punked into buying a I got punked into buying a West Bend potato chip factory by <laughs> one of our listeners
2: i want one of those pre- i think fi- see I'm, I'm i just got punked it just sounds right. great
0: so it was made in the 90s like 1993 right and and the engineers must have been just like high right because it's it's a machine who needs it? it's a machine like roughly the size of a toaster yeah and you put like two cups of oil into it and then get this that has a chute on the top and you, you stick a, just, a, just a potato. One potato. Into the chute. One
2: potato, and not it, two potatoes.
0: I mean, if you wait. And then you sit there and it slices the potato, drops the potato in the oil, moves the thing around, then lifts it and like dumps it out of a chute. But get this, four chips at a time. Okay. hold on, on, but it keeps doing
2: it. Okay, I was going to say, but if the intervals, if it's like... Yeah, and then you end up with however many chips one How, potato. Yeah, mix. yeah, and then you stick another one on top. But I was like, this is the nuttiest thing
0: ever. So I, I got. One. Is
2: it faster than running to the corner store to get a bag of chips?
0: Oh hell no, 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 no. Well, wow. but I mean, it, like the principle of it is interesting because, um, you know, honestly, like the problem people have with potato chips is they put too too many in. And then the temperature drops, which actually theoretically shouldn't be a problem, but you need your temperature regulation just right so that you get all the moisture out before they burn. Anyway, so, like, mm-hmm. we'll see whether it's any good. The problem with it is, Tanya, that it has no mechanism for salting it. Well, then. Right. So the thing is, like, what am I? What am, am I they
2: need to be salted hot.
0: Wait, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, supposed, salt every four chips? Salt every four chips? You're supposed
2: the, to be on the ready with a little ramekin of, you know, chef salt. And yeah. You do the, the chef... Salt thing. That's what you're supposed to do. It's also
0: it I, I saw some videos, they're loud. They're like <laughs> four chips. <laughs> uh, like if I ever have a party again, if I ever do a party again, we'll just have it out there running. You, know you know can hire what I
2: mean? a chip steward or chip facilitator. But
0: it's yeah, it's like thirty or forty levels below uh you ever watch the old Belshaw donut robots, like the Mark Four donut robot? That's Can't the, say that I have. You ever go to like a? You, remember, you know, you go to like a. You, you go to like a. A pick-your-own joint, and they have like those apple cider donuts. They have a the little machine going cha-boom, chupum, boom chupum, boom If you say so. Anyway, mm-hmm. so like they make all different lengths, right? But the the one that I've always wanted, they make one. I think that runs off of a one ten outlet. It's about yay big, so like a yard, and a, a yard, yard and a half long. About you know meter and a half for you Euro folk, <laughs> and uh, or this everywhere else but meters. here, everywhere, yeah, yeah. And it's like a long, like oil trough with a with a, a donut doser, like a plunger thing, and it just sits there and goes and puts those little apple cider donut-y things.
2: Donut holes or like actual donuts? No, like
0: the like. Well, they make ones that'll do full size, but yeah. usually the, these ones do the minis, like with a hole like, in
2: the donut, like remember actual? the donut? Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, like that size. And so, so, like, and then like they float along the oil on this little conveyor, and then the conveyor has like. Um, like a, little, like a little trough that flips and it flips the donut in the oil and then keeps conveying it and then lifts it up on a conveyor and then drops it into where they're dry. And then you just keep eating the, keep eating the donuts.
2: But where's the glaze? Where's the powdered sugar? Where's that step?
0: That, again, you just need to do that. So, like, what some people would do, they build a like a rotary carousel that comes off of it but it's more money right that comes off of it mm-hmm. and then they sometimes they have like powdering or glazing units off the edge of that mm-hmm. but uh, Jason Rhodes the artist back in the in the 90s he put one into a, a, uh, an art exhibit once oh and at that Whitney Biennial and I went to the Whitney Biennial you know because I used to be in art right that was my thing you, uh, you remember uh, Rhodes uh, John John was a former art professor
2: uh, who knew yeah Remember Jason? There's really no end to your collective talents here in this room.
0: (laughs) I show up at the Whitney Biennial, and he has all these donuts with his donut machine. And I was like, I was like, (laughs) I I was like, I was like, listen, if you're doing this and your art is about this, I'm gonna eat this donut. And I ate one. Yeah, it was stale. (laughs) Stale.
2: It was art.
0: Well, but the whole point, like, like as someone who's, like, in the art business at the time, I was like, the statement he's making, the idea that it's precious and that I can't eat this donut is absurd. You know, it's on is its that, face is that absurd. Is why you
2: open the Museum of Food Drink after that? You're like, yeah. this is done. I want, I want edible food that's good in a museum, whether it's art or not, especially if it's art.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, actually, so that, uh, that brings us to uh, actual topics that we're supposed to be discussing today. Uh, so... I was trying to remember where I first met you. Did I meet you at the French Culinary, or was it one of the— I think I met you before we ever were doing MoFat events at the French Culinary, because you used to do stuff at the French Culinary, didn't you?
2: I did. Oh, my goodness. Were you at one of those ridiculous crack-of-dawn meeting morning meetings we used to have to plan the fundraisers and the events, to raise money for scholarships for students? I don't
0: remember. I used to do whatever they told me to do.
2: <sighs> goodness gracious. Yeah, my friend oh and colleague, Heather Johnson, who owns Good Wine— a food lover's wine shop, Park Slope, <laughs> Brooklyn, 327 Fifth Avenue, between 3rd <laughs> and 4th, wait, between 3rd and 4th streets, yes. Uh, we. Uh, she She's a, an alum, and I don't know, we rope each other into things all the time. I rope her into like, MoFad needs wine for the thing. Which and we she, do, yeah. know, we always do. She roped me in for this uh the French culinary needs people to help with the thing, but I'm not a morning person, and we w- had to go to these meetings at like I'm not I'm not exaggerating somewhere between six and eight a.m. Oof. Like at the French Culinary Institute, and I was you know getting my espresso injected, and but we we would sit around the table and like everybody's face is a blur right now why because not a morning person so yeah. you might have been sitting across from me at one of those possible meetings. yeah possible, possible. we might have met there I my memory is of meeting you. On Bayard Street, when you guys had the physical location, the um, in Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, kind of but- Williamsburg.
2: Kind oh, of a, it wasn't really Williamsburg. I mean, oh. was
0: it Williamsburg? Was it Greenpoint? Was it in between?
2: Williamsburg adjacent.
0: So yeah, we Williams had Point. Mm. Greensburg. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, all yeah. Right. Who knew?
0: It was, yeah. it was kind of like nobody's neighborhood. It was right on the edge. <laughs> nobody's. You know? Nobody. No man's land. No, yeah. It, unless you were a skateboarder, in which case it was the place. Skateboard Central. There's a huge skate park right across what, from us. That
2: should be the name of the place. Skateboard Central.
0: Yeah. If the, we had started the Museum of Skateboarding, Oh my God!
2: That would have been like, yeah, yeah, good place,
0: right, John?
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we're there all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. So, your social media moniker is, uh, and then we, of course we were working a lot together on the African slash American thing, which we'll we'll get
2: to. Fast forward, yeah. yeah fast right. forward, yeah. So,
0: like, but your, your social media moniker is the Food Grio. Why don't you
2: describe what the heck that means? Okay. All right. Thank you, because people read that the food. Grio, g-r-i-o-t and they're like griot uh g riot g <laughs> uh, <laughs> riot and i'm like the t is silent mm-hmm. first of all it's uh Grio is a west african patois creole french informed word that means storyteller raconteur historian poet musician Many things i'm I don't the thing that appealed to me about the name is storyteller um, keeper of information, transfer of that wisdom, making sure that things get carried from one generation to the next, and you know just the things I would observe in african American culture, American food culture, black food culture, I was like stuff is getting lost and I, we have to do something about it, and uh you know. And also narratives, you know, being written back into the story, like it's the storytelling aspect of it, the history part of it, and the importance of making sure that um it gets transferred and continues so i and because most most African Americans um, particularly in uh, north america, African Americans have DNA from West Africa, like if we trace our origin and ancestry. It's coming from what is present day Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, like, you know. Uh, and so, and that's where this word uh, comes from. And it's a word that's popular in those different nations that weren't necessarily those nations back when the transatlantic slave trade started. Anyway, that's my long answer du jour. I've, I never answer that question the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, good.
0: That, that meant people have to listen to multiple interviews to get all of the different uh, aspects of it. The
2: challenge, though, is... I, you know, I want it to be like the food and drink Grio, but that's a lot of characters a lot for of a words. handle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I'm half liquid. I'm I'm, I'm as much liquid well, as mo- yeah, I am solids. M- yeah, a lot of the stuff that you, like a lot of the
0: consulting work you do, right, is is cocktail-based, rum-based, cocktail-based, liquid-based. All the
2: all the boozes. In search of hooch. Yeah, yeah. I did like a whole... <laughs> that's another one. Someone get that right now. Go on, <laughs> go on Instagram. Get in search of hooch. <laughs> right.
0: Hooch searcher. Sounds a little dirty.
2: <laughs> what you know, it could work though. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It could yeah, work yeah. because of that reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh yeah. So I'm the great granddaughter of a speakeasy owner. I read that on your bio. Crazy. Yeah. Like uh
0: did you did you ever get to meet her?
2: Yeah. Yeah. She was What's born she like? like in nineteen hundred. She was an amazing cook and um and she's the she was the oldest of like thirteen children and the last one born in the county. Uh, the Maryland County that where the tobacco plantations were, were our ancestors um, for, for centuries, like since the early 1700s, Michael Twitty, another mutual friend of ours helped me to um, trace to, we're back to like, I don't know, somewhere around 1730s, um, this one particular area. So my great grandmother was the last person born there before the migration, the great migration from that upper South into New Jersey and Philadelphia, um
0: but is your food culture growing up still that kind of mid atlantic Maryland absolutely, so talk to me about Maryland beaten biscuits. What do you want to know? I don't know like Make, who, beat, who beat the biscuits can we make some do they can they taste good they, the last manufacturer stopped making them mm-hmm. like 10 years ago i think or something like this like the last like like cottage industry group of people mm-hmm. I've, I've never i've tried to make beaten biscuits but they probably suck and i don't have a target cuz i didn't grow up eating them so mm-hmm. i don't know whether the mm-hmm. ones i'm making are any good or not
2: ah there you know there you do go do you like them i mean here's the thing full as opposed disclosure. to a deep
0: southern beaten biscuit
2: full disclosure I can't even eat that many biscuits. Turns out I have a modern wheat issue. Uh, yeah. Not celiac, but you know, like, uh, yeah. yeah. So I just, I'm, I'm not a biscuit connoisseur. My friend Carla, who I'm going to see after this, you might know, Chef yeah, yeah, Carla Hall, yeah, yeah. she is a biscuit ex- expert connoisseur um, and she makes amazing biscuits. She's even made me some amazing gluten-free biscuits that taste delicious. So... Sorry, Dave, I can see the disappointment in your eyes that I'm not going to be able to... I just want like someone to like, help me out with this. ...indulge you in the beaten
0: biscuit bit. I 3D printed a biscuit docker to try to get what? the right shape on the freaking... Because, uh-huh. you know, you got to beat them, mm-hmm. form them, mm-hmm. dock them. Mm-hmm. Cook them.
2: <laughs> that sounds like a eat them. Pops them. Yeah,
0: beat them. Form them. Talk them. Uh,
2: what was yeah. the other verb? I don't know. Uh,
0: I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Print them. You got Print them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so what else from Maryland? What else? What else? Like, give me some more Mid Atlantic. I no, don't really. On, they, my family, like my my dad's whole side of the family is uh, Baltimore, but Baltimore. It, mm-hmm. Right. Like he went to uh, he went to Poly, uh, and you know whatever Glen Burnie. They ended up moving out to Glen Burnie. Whatever. But the point being. You know, when I was a kid, my grandparents lived in Columbia. So like that area, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But uh, I don't really know much about the food culture there other than like crabs and stuff. It's
2: the birthplace of American cuisine, sir. I mean, arguably that whole Chesapeake Bay area. So so that's the Maryland side. The other part of my family is the Virginia side. So between Virginia and Maryland and all that history there, uh, it's always interesting to me that it's never quite, I serve it up as such, but it's never quite been served up as the important region that it is. And when I first got into culinary history, I was going into the deep South, down into Mississippi, to the Southern Foodways conferences and, you know, trying to rediscover myself and my people and my culture and my food. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. This is not the origin point. This is later along the timeline in terms of, of um, the, the, the real, to me, the essence and significance, the profound impact that Southern cuisine has had on um, the development of fine dining in America, particularly coming out of the Chesapeake Bay, Virginia, Maryland, Virginia, mm-hmm. Virginia, we're talking um, the star person being, you know, coming out of Monticello, Chef right. James Hemmings. Right.
0: And you, you were the, one of the co-founders of the, of the mm-hmm. James Hemmings Foundation. The James Hemmings
2: society. society. It was originally the foundation, now society, who influences Edna Lewis, Chef right. Edna Lewis, a century and a half later, born in a neighboring county. Yeah. R- right? Really? I did not know that. Yes. Huh. So her people are descendants of, like, the Madison um, plantation area, whereas the Hemings are part of the, the Jefferson. And so that's fascinating, right? How someone born in 1765 influences someone born in what year was that new Lewis born? She comes to to New York in the thirties. I think she was born in like 1916. Um, so whatever that math is, 1916 take with, but her style, this, this like Virginian French fusion style is directly a result of the ripple effect of James's culinary education and training that he did of the Monticello chefs and the neighboring, um, uh, plantation chefs that also were impacted by that style that defines that region and then works its way North as restaurants become. A thing. Right. You know,
0: well that, you know, yeah. so uh, I know like a big part of, you know, when we, we talk about the scholarship and I'm going to get to independent scholarship in a minute. Cause I remember one time we were out at drinks and talking about how like independent scholars get the, get the shaft.
2: Mm. Out there without a net man. I'm sitting here listening, taking notes to you guys as Patreon uh, tips. I'm like, I oh, want a note to self. I need to do that. Yeah, I remember
0: <laughs> you were like, you were like, once, like, it's it's nice if people want to hear what I had to say, but how about getting paid somehow? Yeah.
2: How about, like, <laughs> how about, you know, it's because honorarium is like code word for here's $5 or, or $100, right. which yeah. is equivalent to $5 today. But yeah, yeah.
0: Well, when John was an adjunct, he's saying it's not much better, like, even if you're like, Formally, you know, within the uh, supposedly like the you know the embrace of academia, you're still hosed, right?
2: John? Yeah, I was
1: in the union and everything. It was twenty <sighs> four hundred dollars a class for a whole semester. What? Yeah,
2: twenty four hundred for the semester
1: for the semester. What? one of one of my classes, I had a hundred students. But John, that what?
2: John, you get the imprimatur of the university. Isn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, isn't
1: no, that it it was, its own it reward? It was a privilege. It was a privilege.
2: It was <laughs> <And> a privilege. <laughs> yep. Too no, bad we criminal. don't live uh, hydroponically or by you know solar power. I'm like, yeah, I'd right? like to eat some of the food that I talk about, yeah. please.
0: So get this. So John's like, I'm being exploited here. I'm going to go work for the museum. <laughs> <laughs> An and, and then he's like he's like, he's like he's like and then he's like oh I'm gonna go work for Booker and dad and he's like oh and then after that he's like you know what I'm gonna become a chef
2: Man,
1: joke is on me huh
2: John knows how to go the big bucks
1: yeah oh man I never thought about it that way yeah oh, awesome go me
2: hey man we're in the same oh, sandbox yeah. so
0: oh.
2: you are not alone
0: yeah oh my god okay uh, so But uh, I know like uh, one of the subjects that, you know, was interesting when we were first sitting around trying to figure out what the African-American exhibit was going to be is this whole fact that all of the kind of professional cooks, right? Or most of the professional cooks and like a lot of where that comes from, like high-end American cooking, hospitality, hotels, catering, catering, all black. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like somehow when cooking became cool, mm-hmm. that got written out.
2: When it became an actual profession with right. prestige and honor and salary, whatever, compensation, celebrity, right, compensated celebrity status. Because there are early chefs, America's uh, first celebrity chefs, which I don't like to use that term, applied to enslaved people who were have no agency for themselves. Oh, they were liberty chefs, because that kind of makes us think that, oh hell cool. Like, no. But they were the most famous, you know, well known were uh James Hemings, Chef James Hemings, and Chef um Hercules Posey, owned by George Washington and, uh, and Thomas Jefferson owned uh James Hemings until James Hemings negotiated for his his freedom. He 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 was involved in his own emancipation, which happened in seventeen
0: ninety six. And then like what but uh no one knows exactly what happened to him after that, right? Or like it's Yeah,
2: it's a mystery. Yeah. yeah they say the story goes that he it was death by suicide, but Chef Ashbell McElveen, the founder of James Hemming Society and the living foremost expert on um the details, the research of James Life who you know in paris he's done research in paris and here and the states for for years he's got other theories he doesn't believe it was suicide
0: huh. and so let's trace that you know, like a little bit further because uh you know i wish uh i wish i uh, you know knew about or could have gone to this to this dinner so like really rich northern industrialists all used to hang out in Saratoga springs mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and the people doing the cooking there also black folks, and there's been a couple of good scholarly works on kind of the hospitality industry in Saratoga in the, in the 1800s, but someone who lived in Saratoga and then came down to cook, who I didn't even know about, uh, and, and Northup, you know, then you do this whole meal, you know, reconstructing something actually in the mansion up in, uh, Right? You know, I used to like my mom was is a was a doctor at uh Columbia. I was like two blocks from the Jumel ma- Mansion. What? And my like my whole childhood growing up I spent at 168th Street and oh, the my hospital goodness. like chilling whenever my mom was doing stuff. And like I never even went over to that mansion. I never even saw it. And so you do this dinner reconstructing like a meal that she would have cooked cuz she was a like professional cook like sometimes in Saratoga and sometimes yeah. there so we all, you know we hear obviously you know 12 years a slave blah blah, blah. Yeah. she was she was the one left behind to do the work when he got stolen when he was Well he she was, was doing
2: she was already doing that he that's part of he he is uh, abducted stolen um while she's away she's she's a highly sought after very highly skilled uh technique chef I don't know if they would have called this black woman a chef in early 1800s, uh, but she was in high demand for, you know, high up people in government and business. And it was the season that she was, you know, had to do these fancy estate dinners and things. And, and he was a fiddler and a carpenter. He had, like they had multiple, they all, they worked, they both worked. She had always worked. And
0: he was kidnapped when? 1840s, right? Somewhere uh, around there. So in that region, in that area. Yeah. Because his book
2: comes out in 1852. Um, so yeah, somewhere yeah. like yeah, late thirties, early forties. But um, part of why she ends up cooking in the Jumel Mansion, the woman, um, what's her name, Madame Somebody? Yeah, but uh, she, I, I, which I didn't know. This turns out she married Aaron Burr. I yeah, <laughs> crazy, I'm crazy. There's so many dots to <laughs> yeah. connect, like the layers. Yeah, right?
0: when he was old, though, he was old.
2: old. It's like later. It's not yeah. like it's not
0: early Aaron Burr. But well, I read like he had the he had the fancy pedigree, even though he had shot Hamilton. But she had the money. And so right. they thought it was like she had no
2: pedigree, which is why she was like called herself Madame somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but she had the mansion. Yeah. And yeah, Jumel was her first husband or I one guess, of her yeah, husbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was a regular in the Saratoga Springs and loved the food and the and, and so forth and wanted that that level of cookery in her mansion for entertaining and dinner parties. And Anne Northup was desperate to try to play a role in trying to um find help her husband. So she being in New York City was advantageous to Anne to for different um, abolitionists and advocate allies who were going to help to find Solomon Northup, and um, and so she comes with this woman to 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 live for a couple of years and cook in the mansion. So when I found this research out, and then I was like, oh, the mansion is. Still there, and it's going strong. Yeah, and They yeah. have a functioning kitchen, <laughs> and like you know, I was like, hey, I, I was like, hey, I just discovered all this research that I'm doing, and you know, any interest in recreating a meal? they were like, yes. I would have hoped that that would have been a, a ongoing thing. I mean, it was. People are still talking about this thing. But they only did it once. Yeah. Do it again.
0: I would love I to do go, it again. Invite me. I'll you let's, know. Let's, first of all, the tickets were cheap.
2: Uh, yeah, they were. A little tickets too were too cheap. cheap. They were too cheap. It was a lot of work. A lot of work, man. It was ten. Sleepless it was ten
0: dollars. I looked it up. It was ten dollars to like go on the tour, which is like fundamentally free,
2: right? And then it was sixty-five dollars if you wanted the like multi-course, five-course oh, wow. wine paired, you know, soup to nuts and salad, and cake. Yeah. How was the, how was the dinner? That was a it, it was delicious. And actually, we recruited some students from ICE, I believe, to help. I'll forgive you. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. I <laughs> man. But the fact that we're talking about this, uh, we could do things again in real life. Everything doesn't have to be virtual. Let's do yeah. this. Let's do yeah. this, man. Let's make it happen.
0: Sure. But, sure. you know,
2: I, I don't know who's in charge of the mansion now. The, you know, it might be new new management. New people. New people we got to make friends with.
0: All right, let's 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 uh, talk about something else uh, before we get into the reason why I desperately wanted to have you on right now. Oh, but,
2: okay, but wait, wait. wait. Did uh. you know that the guy, Potato Chips, just to connect the dot to yeah, something yeah. earlier, and became this portal to all these amazing, uh, chefs and cooks. Uh, the guy who invents the, the, the black chef guy who invents the American potato
0: chip. Right. Have you done more research on that? Cause you told me that you were like still working on it like years ago. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the current theory of operation on the Saratoga potato chip is.
2: Yeah. The black guy named George Crumb pun intended. His name is George <laughs> Crumb, uh, in, in the 1850s, uh, comes up with... He's credited for creating the... For popularized... For, no, for, for making them. What, well, okay, so what I heard was that
0: there was a butthead guest. Right. Who's like, not crispy, not
2: crispy. Not, not thin enough, not crispy enough. Yeah, not, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: And that's the Saratoga, that's the Saratoga chip, right? like they, yeah. they, he, he, they, So the chef, Crumb, mm-hmm. is like, how about now? He's like, no. And every chef knows this eventually. Chef's like, F you.
2: Right. I'm right. going to hammer these sons. Yeah.
0: And then he's like, yeah, I like that. And he that. comes
2: up with this like delicacy at the time that we now, you know, mm. have as snack food. There's a theory that it might have been, there's some people who are saying his sister was involved or there's a hidden black woman in the scene involved in helping him. Is that why we didn't go solution. harder on the
0: story and the things? I remember there being some sort of some reason. Some kind of block uh, or some
2: kind of. I don't remember what yeah. the block was. Well, there's just not the data. It's so, you have to be like a detective. Like it's so hard to get to the bottom of a lot of these stories but yeah, you know um, also
0: histories were written out yeah right just people just were did. not
2: included yeah also like for me
0: this personal this is like you know personal in in museum in general and like origin stories in general is that like most origin stories are at best embellished it's like who made mm. it who made it popular who made it popular? What's the group of people that? Right, did it? right. What's the group of people? Not necessarily like the one author. We have who a is, way, right, yeah, of doing yeah.
2: that in this culture. Like this one person, right. and it's like, is it ever one person? Because there are always, yeah. there's always other.
0: Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So like, I always get like whenever, whenever like something is traced back to an individual, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're like you're suspicious. A little bit, just because uh, you know. I understand it, like, you know, and obviously all of us, like, in the hospitality industry, we understand that to sell something, you sell a person Mm. that people can understand, Mm -hmm. and people go buy that. They buy the personality. But it's never true, and someone's getting hosed. You know what I mean? Right, right. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I
2: don't know. I don't know. I remember making potato chips just by hand. I didn't have your fancy contraption. Yeah, I was up at Molly O'Neill's. Uh, she ha- used to have this uh, incubator for food media people, and we were up there in Rensselaerville, New York, not too far from Saratoga. And I got inspired to to make uh, that was the, you know we all had to kind of do something that before we got out of the program. And I was like, I'm going to make potato chips by hand.
0: Yeah, it it's was pretty it's, good. Well, so th- what is your what is your do you have a technique for potato? T- or do you I have no a want- technique. All right.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I could, I'm one of those intuitive, I, I'm one of those old school, come from a long line of professional cooks in America. Really? And you just learn from watching and learning and multi-sensory. And, you know, Edna Lewis talks about that when she writes recipes. They're kind of a, yeah. But I mean, you know, if I thought about it, I could tell you some technique. I mean, but make sure the oil's hot, not too hot.
0: Well, yeah, you don't want to, bur- like, the, look, look, look. I want, are you thin or are <clears throat> you thick? You-,
2: you know, uh, what are you asking, Dave?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Chips.
2: Okay. All
0: right. Or crisps, as those weirdos call it in, in <laughs> the UK. I yeah. know. Yeah.
2: Which came first, the crisp or the chip? I chip. don't know.
0: Chip. Come on. All right. Come okay. on. Right. And a French fry, and on what planet is a French fry a chip?
2: In in the UK planet. In the England, in, for the Brits. Yeah, but if you think about it, why would that be a chip? I, it's I, not chip shaped. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Because their English is weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, even like wood chips aren't shaped that way. Right. Not like, you know, Chips are chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: They're just trying to confuse us.
0: Yeah, uh, it's you unpleasant. Know? It's yeah. unpleasant yeah.
2: linguistic they flourish. Do. They, do they do it have on purpose.
0: Own. Yeah, it's not fair. Yeah. Cool.
2: Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all, right, all right, we, so, we digress. So
0: uh, <laughs> <clears throat> to me, the issue is, is so like I, I've, I've done. So potatoes obviously have uh, some sugar in them, right? Especially right. like the ones starch. that we have, we can't. Store them well enough to make sure that, well, like literal, like sugar, so that they 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 get too dark. And so a lot of people don't mm. like their potato chips too too oh, dark. Is that, is
2: that from the sugar? Yeah, I didn't know that. So
0: it's like, so like one of the things you can do, you can soak them in some acid, and then they'll or taste like a salt little bit acidic. Water, no, well, yeah, and it'll leach out some of the sugar. Oh, okay, right? right, right, right. And so then you can you can cook them a little bit longer, make sure you get the water out without them going too dark. But so that I, I ran all of these tests, right? All of them, all of them, all of them. And then I did the old school kettle where you're just like, chop, 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 chop into the oil. And Dax is like, these ones taste more like potatoes. I'm
2: like God, like, like like fried it's potatoes. Crap! I'm not allowed to curse on this. I was like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Whereas like he's like, when you taste them side by side, the ones that are just soaked don't have as much potato flavor because you soaked that stuff out. Oh, because
2: the yeah, the flavor's gone. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about the flavor, man. Yeah, don't oh. take my flavor away from me. So I on. like uh, I like a thin chip. I'm just gonna be honest. Yeah? I usually don't, I'm usually like I'm thick all the way, all the way. I'm consistent. You know, I'm, I'm a thick chick. But for the chips, I like a good thin chip. You ever
0: have the actual Hawaiian... like a little air
2: bubble in the chip?
0: Oh yeah. You ever have the actual Hawaiian Maui ones in, like, the glassine paper that, like, they, they like they don't ship?
2: Yeah, the ones that you gotta go oh, to yeah, Maui. The, yeah,
0: yeah. I've never been to Maui, but I've I had, have. whenever someone goes, they bring them back for me. Oh, I'll bring They're some. very good. I wish I could make that ship. Those are good ships. I
2: met some Hawaiian chefs recently at the Beard House. Oh, yeah? And, um... Leanne Wong wasn't
0: there, was she? She's in I Hawaii, been in Hawaii for a bunch of years. All right. No, I didn't meet her. <laughs>
2: but, and my my family's on the West Coast, and we go to, you know, I I tag along to Hawaii, I'll probably look them up. Maybe I'll, I'll you know, see if yeah. they can hook us up. Never been to Hawaii. Yeah. I My wife know. was born there. She what? hasn't been back. Huh? Yeah. What? Uh-huh. what? That's another conversation. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. So, a uh, couple things before we get... We have a couple questions from the listeners we got to do. But I want to talk about... You have a show every, su- every Sunday? Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Savory and Sweet on WURD, the Word. Radio. Word. Word Radio. And that's out of Philly. It's
2: out of Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, now... The sad thing is, is that you, they only put up clips. They don't put up the whole, I couldn't find the whole, like the whole ep, show the whole thing. They usually, they put up your chef's interviews. They do? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. I mean, good job looking if, out for
0: your own. If right? you're
2: following the food, Rio Man, and you go to my link tree, I, I post the most recent uh, episode. The full one? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, like a two hour show no, or like something. It's a two hour show. It's about to be a one hour show. Yes. actually, as of this last Sunday, it's now a one hour show.
0: As you want to say what the I mean, like, again, I only got to listen to the chef interviews, but you mm-hmm, want to talk mm-hmm. about what the what the show is about there or about yes. the radio station in general. Sure. Yeah.
2: So W.R.D., their tagline is progressive black talk media. Philadelphia's progressive black talk media. It is one of the only 100 percent owned and operated family owned black talk stations in the nation. I believe there are maybe three. It's the only one in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, I live in New York, but I went to college there. It's a whole story. Uh, And they have uh, yours truly hosting their first ever, the first food show. And it turns out uh, in the scheme of things, It is the first, you know, it's 2022 and black people are still like, I'm the first and only da-da-da. The first, uh, what is the first, Dave? What's my point? Ah, weekly broadcast dedicated to food history and culture from a black perspective. Uh, But inclusively, I like to connect the dots to other cultures. And you you should come on my show. Hey, you know. Okay. Sure. Yeah. But that's my tagline is food history and culture. And I talk with chefs, I talk with mixologists, I talk with food science people. I just talk with, depends on the topic. I try to keep it, like, December is Bartender Appreciation Month. Did you know what? that? What? I did, what? What?
0: Uh, well, you know what? You know what you should do? You should go out to people's bars and appreciate them by giving them money.
2: By it, paying for, just get, don't even get a drink. Just that, give money. That's just when put we the used money make, on the bar and walk out. That's when we used to make all of our money. Oh, right. You know what right? I mean? When, yeah, yeah.
0: It's like uh, you know, and you're you're about to go real dry. You know, like you know, Jan Feb's never as good. In this city, yeah. summer's never as good because everyone
2: yeah. leaves. Yeah, what's it's with fun. the dry? I I hate the whole dry know, January. But yeah, I gave you a shout out. You'll see it on the post. Uh-huh. I was like, it's Bartender Appreciation Month, and I'm going to talk to Dave. There you go! We nice. want to appreciate him because that's one of your many roles. And you should you should appreciate your bartender. Absolutely, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm a home mixologist. I don't get to another. I'm you know another reason I'm in the same sandbox as you. I make a mean drink, but in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, nobody's putting money on my kitchen counter for the drink I just made for right. them. <laughs> what if you did that? He's what if someone jars. came over to your house and you're like,
0: <laughs> pay up? We <laughs> you had, like a, a jar, like a tip jar in your house?
2: I have a tip jar on my link tree. It's empty. <laughs> hit, hit, everybody, anybody, everybody.
0: All right, but here's the news I saw, and I feel I'm a little bit like, usually what I like to do before someone comes on is see and or read whatever they're doing. But I can't because it's not available yet. What?
2: What are you talking about? This new Food Network thing that you
0: have coming out on December (laughs) Mm 26th. You have the whole series coming out. It's Food Network Celebrates Kwanzaa with a new series, The Kwanzaa Menu, hosted by you, Tanya Mm Hopkins. And so, like, how many episodes is it? They, they they, basically are like, you have to wait till the 26th. We're it's not like, going to tell you squat-tola. They're, like, I, I I was not able to, like, kind of, like, steal or pre-download any of the stuff. So what's going on? It, what's leaked,
2: it leaked for, like, a few hours on, I think, thir- last Friday. The episodes were, like, out there for the world to see accidentally. So you missed that window, didn't yeah. you? So yeah. So talk
0: to me about what's happening here. First of all, so, also, like... I know squat about Kwanzaa. So you talk to me about what else. the show is. Line, like yeah, Okay. So what's going on?
2: So big picture, it's part of a, um, a series that Food Network started doing, I don't know how long ago, of, um, I call you know, I call it their ethnic series, that, where they take a holiday like uh, Lunar New Year or Diwali or Juneteenth. I think they have four others. I think is the fifth. Or the sixth of this series, this and it's called the the whatever the holiday is menu, right? So the Diwali menu, the Lunar New Year menu. This one is the Kwanzaa menu. The last one was the Juneteenth menu. And so Kwanzaa, a non-religious cultural holiday, is seven days long. So there are seven episodes. It's seven days because the Nguzo Saba, the the seven principles each day that you're supposed to kind of reflect on. And uh, it's great because it's a great lead up to the new year. So instead of like the new year's day, and cause the last day of Kwanzaa is the first day of the new year. Mm. So the last day is on the first of January. The big feast night is on the 31st, which is the same as new year's Eve. So um, it's a holiday that was created in 1966 by um, a pan Africanist scholar out in California, Long Beach, California, named Dr. Milena Karenga, who is still an African Studies professor, uh, maybe the head of the department. Uh, not maybe, actually, with all respect. <laughs> uh, out there in the Cal State. But maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> teaches stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, and so it developed this holiday in 1966, and it, it uh, you know, slowly over time... It's something that was created, you know, out of African American culture for African American culture, but it's inspired by. It's a creative. He he describes it as a creative synthesis of these ancient harvest rituals and festivals that would happen throughout Africa, and um, and it's designed to be celebrated throughout the, the the diaspora, right? So the Caribbean, the South. Uh, a lot of people are like, do you have to be black to celebrate Kwanzaa? It's like, n- no. But, you know, was it de- was it designed, you know, for a people that kind of historically, you know, this system was intended to take everything from? And I don't say that bitterly. I'm just, you know, it's just a matter of fact. The people were brought here to be, to, to, to work and to be disconnected from language and history and yeah. all this stuff. Culturally so, erased. Right, exactly. So this is a an infusion back in, you know, um, to a culture that was erased or attempted to be erased. Right. So, um, right. So each day, you know, there's a different principle. It starts off with unity on the first day. The last day is Amani, which is faith. Kiswahili language, because we don't have like African-Americans we could be, we could be coming from so many different ethnic groups and, and religions and languages. We, you don't know. I mean, you can do a cheek swab today and get a, idea and estimate of you know where your people are from but it's such a mixture because right. then we're also uniquely american because it, once we get here there's other things that happen you know whether it's um mixing with uh the europeans or and or the native americans i'm you know saying that nicely i'm looking at your face like <laughs> well, oh no huh. <laughs> like your, my choice of mixing <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> well, uh so
0: You know, when you have something that is like 55, 56 years old, whatever it is, and do the math on the fly, like, is there a built-in kind of food culture part of it now? Like, or like, so how do you build uh, menus around it? Like, what's going on?
2: Funny you should ask. So when they asked me, I think it was back in 2004, somebody, uh, Andy Smith, who writes all these books, he's an editor, he was doing a project for Oxford, Encyclopedia of Food and Drink in America. And they were like, hey, Tanya, is any food associated with Kwanzaa? I was like course there is and i believe dr harris dr jessica harris had already written her kwanzaa keepsake book there was some stuff out there that people had you know put together because it's based on you know harvest rituals and the first fruits there's you know there's a basket of fruit all this stuff but it's like is there is, you know when you look at the the official printings from dr Krang, it's like yeah like what is the menu what's the food and it's kind of not there and so luckily i was able to um through my my parents are educators connected to the, the the Cal State system I was like hey can one of you guys like connect me so I can talk to Dr. Karenga and ask him about that and they were like oh uh, maybe I don't know let's see and they made it happen and I was able to interview him it turns out I'm the first I know I'm, I'm sounding no, all, no one no one no one's ever asked so that's another thing I got to sit down and talk with him and, about food and he's a lot of people aren't foodies and he's not, a, I wouldn't define him as a foodie, but so he, so at the end of the day, it was, you know, very great informative conversation, but I went to him on the show. No, I no. this was like, I interviewed him, like it's like on a cassette tape, like on a oh, geez, handheld cool. recorder from yeah. when I was, you know, writing yeah. my, my Oxford encyclopedia. Entry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I found it, I found the the cassette and, and was able to put it into a podcast episode 15 years later. But um, turns out there is no set menu. There is no. But there are s- certain principles, you know, you want to draw from different cuisines throughout the diaspora, you know, the African continent, as well as, you know, then the Caribbean, Jamaica comes to mind, places that have really interesting um, mm. cuisines, really. <laughs> and the American South, of course, and, and all that kind of stuff. So. So it's a really creativity is at the core of Kwanzaa reinvention for people who had to reinvent and continue to reinvent ourselves culturally. It's um it's very inspiring. I love it. I think it's an excuse to try a different uh to try different foods. African Americans have not historically been exposed to African food or to food outside of um what is you know narrowly defined as soul food um in general right. for the most part right. So to me it's a great in to to kind of discover a broader sense of oneself, a bigger, connected to something bigger than yourself through food.
0: And so people can start looking out for that on the 26th, right?
2: The first episode, yeah. Oh, Uh, well, actually there's an episode every day available. They're short. They're mini-episodes. It's uh, foodnetwork.com.
0: we got two questions in for you specifically. Quinn, shoot them off quick. we got two minutes. Okay,
3: uh, I loved the African slash American exhibit. What happened to the artifact and of the quilt, and what comes next?
2: Is that question for you or for me? I don't me? know, all that's of us, I don't you. know, like, uh, <laughs> Most of the artifacts well, uh, were
0: returned to the everybody. learning
1: institutions.
0: Right. Uh, I can't really say what's happening to the kitchen. We still have the quilt that's in store, just being well conserved and cared for. Uh, thank goodness. Alright, what's the second question, Quinn?
3: Uh, for Tanya, what's
2: a current issue or topic you wish more people were aware of? wow uh i just wish we um i you know it's why i do the work i do as a culinary historian to um just kind of i wish we all knew more of what everybody brings to the table yes some groups you know you look at native american and african-american some groups you know arguably might bring a little bit more to the table but the point (laughs) is that
0: like who's got the worst food, Tanya? <laughs>
2: who's got the worst food? Oh yeah, you don't go there. I worked in London for a bit, uh, and uh, hey, you hey, know.
0: <laughs> English have good English have good stuff. Anyway, okay,
2: good. because they know how to bring good stuff back to England. That's why they have good oh, yeah, stuff. You know. Old
0: school English roast beef. Oh, okay, whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah. I like Hello. a good uh, what is that pie with the potatoes and the peas? Yeah, and the, like shepherd's pie. I what's, uh, what's that, like a good shepherd's good. pie. I like, like good. a good fish and chips. It's like the fish fries. Good. It's like it's yeah, you know. But yeah, I had fun designing that Kwanzaa menu. I, it was very cre- it was my creative outlet. So I'm right. looking forward to people enjoying. And there's drinks. There's drinks. There's food. Of
0: all right. Well, tune in. Uh, tune in to the Food Network uh, for seven days, uh, starting on uh, the twenty sixth, for uh, the Kwanzaa Menu, hosted Extreme. by our guest today. Thanks for coming on, Tanya Hopkins. This has been Cooking Issues.
2: This was so fun. Thanks for having me.